0: Investing in real estate is one of the strongest methods towards building true financial freedom and flexibility, and today's guest gets into exactly how he started from nothing and was able to elevate him into having his own TV show and then moving and scaling in the multifamily business. Absolutely incredible guy. We're going to dive into all of that and more in today's episode, so let's get right to it. Now is one of the greatest times in history to be investing in multifamily real estate with hundreds of millions of dollars literally moving from the stock market into alternative assets like real estate every single day. We're in the midst of a golden era. And one of the keys to success is learning how to avoid those upcoming pitfalls and mastering the process of how to scale as an operator in the multifamily business. Regardless if you're just getting started, if you've been in the game for decades, you've got to join us for this very special training put on by the Multifamily MBA on how to scale from zero to 2,400 units, the three biggest secrets from building a $320 million multifamily portfolio. Register to join us at theinvestormindset.com slash MFMBA. That's the slash MFMBA. Look forward to seeing you there. guys welcome back to the investor mindset podcast i'm your host steven Pesavento, and today i'm excited i've got david seymour in the studio how you doing dave
1: i'm well steven what an
0: honor brother thanks for having me on Oh, it's so fun. And you guys know, Dave, because he's been in the real estate space for decades, transacted tens of millions of dollars of residential and commercial multifamily in the space. And you'll probably recognize him from his A&E show, Flipping Boston, and multiple interviews on CBS, ABC, CNBC, Fox, you know, all talking to investors all around the world about exactly the stuff that we love the most investing in real estate and he comes from a background flipping houses before he had the same realization that i did that bigger is better and cash flow is king and we're going to get into that and more in today's episode
1: you ready to dive into things dave oh let's go baby go as we say up here in boston it's showtime bring it on I love it. I love that Northeastern
0: energy. And so why don't we start out by taking a look back at earlier in your life, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you
1: are today? Yeah, great question, man. It's, it's, it's that Dickensian thing. If you could talk to your past self and your future self, right? So look, man, I'm a, I'm, I'm a product of an incredibly blue collar background. I'm i I'm actually an immigrant to the States. I came over from England back in 1986 and one of the influences that would not influence you as a child, but in retrospect, created a lot of the drive that I have today was the fact that I saw the pain that my parents went through as, as just hardworking people. And I mean, the pain of that was the, 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 the message was we were never going to be what we wanted to be. We were always constricted by that, that time for money continuum, which has just been pounded into people for generations, which really is a, is a disservice, Right. Uh, so that was that was absolutely an influence for me Stephen too, because once I came to America from England, from the English working class culture to the American working class culture, and then somebody said to me in America, you really can't be and do whatever you want to be if you just make a commitment to do it. And I was like, well I'm a committed guy. let's go. What's, what, what do I need, need to do? So you know a, a negative influence can become a positive influence if we have to give them labels then I would say it was being a product of, of that environment. And yet, at the same time, if I can, it also gave me a good foundation of a work ethic, which is important, but it's it's the old adage, right? Work smarter, not harder. So, I, well, I would... it's that
0: pain that you experienced early on that ended up making it so clear to you that you didn't want to continue experiencing that. Yeah. And when you saw the the solution, the prescription of a better life in a better way, you were ready to take it. You were you were in that position to say, yeah, well, if that's possible, then then I can do it. What was that first example that you can remember when you came here towards seeing that it was possible for a guy like you? You or a guy like me to be able to work up from nothing into something
1: yeah again great question look man here's, here's the thing I'd love to tell you I came to America in my early 20s and by 21 I was on the journey to, to financial freedom but I would be I would not be truthful um, you know I stayed that working class and I don't it's important for your listeners to understand this when I when I use terminology blue class working class I don't mean to use them in, in a perception of a negative uh, connotation. You know, the, the workforce of America workforce is, is critical. I mean, it's, it's just part of the process. Are you dissatisfied? Do you have a discomfort? And I had a discomfort, an inherent discomfort in the sense of the hours that I traded for other people's money was not sufficient for me to live the lifestyle and the quality of relationships that I believe I deserved. So for me, you asked for that moment of, 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 that incipient moment, the start of entrepreneurship in me, it came in my late my late 30s, brother. I worked as a firefighter, paramedic, construction worker and retail on, on nights and weekends because I needed to trade 120 hours every week just to try and make ends meet. I was a financial donkey. I was an illiterate when it came to finances. I knew how to spend money. I didn't know how to leverage money. I had no financial education. So my moment came in dark. It came at that point when I realized, my my marriage was going to end. My my financial situation was horrific. I always say jokingly when I started entrepreneurship, I think my FICO score was two, and um, maybe three on a really good day. Stephen, you know, um, but those are those are driving factors. And that I realized something when I was working construction that there were these investors who showed up at houses, and they had bigger smiles, nicer cars, cleaner clothes. And then when I, I actually communicated with them, and I mean this respectfully again, they weren't necessarily that smart. They weren't all Harvard-educated, you know, professors. Some of them were pretty, pretty restricted. <laughs> for what I'm to tell, and I went, "What the hell are they doing that I'm not doing?" And that was a moment of clarity that came into my life and, and, and lit the fuse, if you will, going forward.
0: I love that. There's two things I really want to unpack there is just this idea that when you met these people that you realize that, Hey, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. I remember I had a specific experience with a house flipper that I had met that was doing a hundred houses a year and incredibly great person. And I remember when I met this person and I really had a chance to really get to talk to him. And I was like, well, if this guy can do it, then I can definitely do it. And it changed everything. And sometimes that's all you need is that little realization. But the other thing that you mentioned here was that moment of darkness, right? And in pain, we make decisions to change our life. And the truth is like most people wait until they're dying on their deathbed or they get in a car accident or they lose someone who's really matters a lot to them for them to step up and go and fix their marriage or their business or their financial education. But what's so great about this is that we don't have to go to that place. And everyone who's listening here is already at least has the mindset to believe that it's possible. We can make those changes before we get there because it was same for me. I was in a dark place, made the shift and everything been much better since. So talk to us a little bit about what that was like transitioning from the world of a firefighter into being, you know, a professional real estate investor.
1: Yeah. You know, the light only comes after the dark. First of all, let's, let's just be honest with it, unless you've got that silver spoon and, you know, mom and dad have been passing down the, the trust funds for, for generations. So that's, that's a different conversation. Um, you know, there, there comes a point in life where a people will get sick and tired of being sick and tired, or they just leave it, lead a life of of mediocrity. And um, you know, I was I was in a pre foreclosure environment. I was losing my house. My my marriage was was done. Uh, just to be honest with you, you cannot be out of the house 120 hours a week and still still participate in a marriage or, or being a parent, etc. So those challenges were there. And look, I'm not a man of organized religion, Stephen, but I'm definitely a man of faith. And I'm screaming and shouting and hollering at my guy. And I'm like, dude, what, what's up? I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I don't drink. I've been sober over 30 years. I'm like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. What's up? What? what? And I, I had a moment, man, and it was, it was was it was biblical for me. And I can only share my experiences. And the moment was those that seek shall find. As I said in, in in the interview that we did um, outside of this podcast, ask questions, ask questions. And when I asked those people questions about what it was that they were doing, I had the realization that they weren't necessarily that smart. I know that my drive and my motivation cannot be matched by anybody. You want to bring it on with a work ethic? Let's go, baby, go. I'm 54. I'm still going to kick your rear end when it comes to work ethic, right? So I have that bravado in me. It was just a case of having some direction. And I'm crying and screaming and shouting my God. My life is kind of a mess. And a and a, and a commercial came on the radio, teach me foreclosure, a free one and a half hour seminar coming <laughs> to your neck of the woods. And I'm like, God is good all the time. I'm listening. And I went. And that was the door that was open for me. It was the world of, of education. And I stepped into the seminar world. And my now wife, Mary Beth, a labor and delivery nurse, um, She, she became my first private lender, brother, put up $27,000 on her credit cards because I had a FICO score of two, as I said. And, um, you know, I started, I started a commitment and that was the day I heard, I heard a very, very powerful statement, a couple of statements, in fact. And these were, these were really critical pieces. I heard, if you are the smartest person in any room, you're in the wrong room. And I also heard, show me who somebody gets their financial advice from and I'll show you what their financial future looks like. And I turned around and I went, OMG, is it really that simple? And it was. It was leaning into it. It was a commitment. Um, I read some incredible materials around real estate. uh, I read the law, uh, Law of Attraction by Rhonda Byrne. I became a student of Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I began to fix this, the six inches of detrimental thinking between my ears that cost me happiness, serenity, joy, peace. Uh, Because I listened to some really bad internal dialogue and the day that I reset that dialogue was the day that success began to happen. So I hope that answers. I, I get on, man. I get, I get going on these topics.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I feel that passion. And that's why we're brothers from the same from the yeah. same source here, because, you know, at the end of the day, once you realize that there's a path towards changing your life and you really want to be able to share that with other people, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, when you come from a place of not having a lot or having beliefs that you know it's not possible for you and then you see that it's possible for everybody to make these kind of shifts and changes that just about any idiot in the world if they get their mind in the right place and they start following in the footsteps of a mentor of an expert who's already been there that they can do it and the only difference between success and failure is getting your mind in the right place and working your butt off that doesn't always mean it's always going to be all about hard work but with those two things anybody can succeed and so beautiful as a reminder, just exactly where you came from, because when somebody hears David Seymour from A and E flipping Boston, they think, "Oh, well, this guy isn't anything like me." He was on TV. He's yeah, been on all these that. things, right? And so it's great to put that in context. And you know, you're somebody who flipped a ton of houses and then made that yeah. transition in a multifamily, same path that I've been on, brother. I'd love to hear about what was that shift that happened for you that ended up leading you to realize, oh it's time to evolve. It's time to yeah. grow. It's time to go to another level.
1: Yeah. This, there's some investors, Stephen, that, that don't transition, right? They stay in that world. And um, it's kind of like that shock mentality. If I'm not moving, evolving and changing, I'm going to die. Um, I, I was having a, a joking conversation with my now 27-year-old son, You know, a, a father with his millennial son. That's always a, an interesting debate. And I'm like, you know, Robert, I'm going to give it another 10 years and know, oh, then I'm going to retire, and he, you know, he cussed me out, and he's like, "Dad, you're never going to retire," and he's right. I'm always evolving. I got to change. I need to be challenged. Um, if I if I sit still, um, you know, I, I always think the boogeyman is going to catch me. So I evolve. And let's be frank, man. Single family real estate, buy fix and flip, wholesaling, even lending hard money. I have run a hard money lending company, private lending company. That's work, and it's a job. I get it, it's a higher paying job with better opportunities, better exit strategies. But if you don't take that exit strategy, what are you gonna do? Let's say we, we've we had this discussion as well. W- what about those poor folks that are like 25% or 50% through a residential, a heavy residential uh, repositioning right now, single family, buy, fix and flip. What happened to the cost of construction? What happened to the cost of lumber? What's happened to the availability, right? It's all gone up, 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 up. So if you're not a magician, right? A magician with your with your analysis. If you didn't have enough depth in there, you could be hurting. So I I know, man, I've been through enough challenges in real estate. I'm not new to the block. My partner has been doing it for 25 plus years, been through three, maybe four cycles. We know what the writing on the wall looks like. So for me, you know, two years ago, it was like, okay, I sold my own um, uh, portfolio of cash flow and assets because they're like five times the value of what I bought them. Sell bait when everybody's buying, sell when everybody's selling, buy right. It's, it's, it's you always be contrarian. Um, so I you know, I realized that there was a way to um help. Like, look, a single family home, I help a homeowner and maybe a private lender, but in a 200 unit, a 50 unit, 150 unit apartment complex, I help a seller, I help my family, I help 50 investors and 50 investors' families. I can do incredibly great work and make great money, and have everybody, you know, be standing on the sidewalk with pom poms because of the returns that that are generated from commercial. So it was, it was, it was a necessary transition. It wasn't even a discussion for me. Again, it's maturity right? It's looking back, knowing what's coming next. Does that make sense?
0: It makes so much sense. And it, it's like you're speaking to somebody who has been in the same position. And people have asked me, Stephen, you flipped 200 houses, you flipped 75 houses your first year, why would you leave that business behind? And you just explained it so clearly exactly why it was absolutely a must. But when you made that transition, what led to the ability to be able to move from flipping, which is slightly different to commercial multifamily, there's a lot that's common there's a lot that's similar but there's a little bit that's different so talk to us a little bit about that
1: yeah look man i was i was consistently pitched and asked to participate in larger commercial assets throughout all my time on tv right um and i turned it down because the bandwidth wasn't in place and to make it this a succinct answer to 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 your question which is important pre-covid uh just launched a a really nice hard money lending company Uh, Working off of a $50 million line of credit. Every note that we generated was then ripped off by our takeout partners in New York. And we're just turning money over, man. It was great. A little piece of the spread, a little piece of the yield, got a little points on the front end. Seven loan originators, about 20 million in the pipe. Kumbaya, man. 2020 was going to be a rock star. And then we know what happened in 2020 in March, right? And I was out of business in three days, Stephen. Three days, that business folded because Wall Street stopped buying my notes. So my line of credit is now dead. They're not operating anymore. And I stepped back, looked at it and said, okay, what went wrong here? I could see what went right. And that's an important thing to say. Anybody that invests with any GP in any deal, I want to know how, how stuff can go sideways. Don't always tell me the glory. So I looked at that scenario. I said, what went wrong? And what went wrong was is I didn't control the capital. So I, I made a decision that I was going to go into my network because my network is my net worth. It's not cheesy, it's reality. I went into my network and reconnected with my now business partner, Walter Novicki, down in Fort Myers, a couple of years older than me, about 50, I think Walter's 55, 56. And as I said, been through multiple you know challenges in the real estate marketplace. But he had ostensibly always been in commercial real estate. Land development. He, he went hardcore 2008. Everybody was running out. He did the firefighter if they went running in, raised 125 million in private equity, deployed it, paid it back with its targeted returns, never missed the distribution, never, never, never de- not delivered to, to a, uh, to one of his investors. Uh, new construction, ground up, developed, repositioning multifamily. So he's my guy. I said, what's up, Walter? What's next? He says, this is what's next. A mom and pop organization in Florida in the multifamily assets, 20 to 150 units is going to get decimated by COVID. They don't have reserves. They don't have yield. They don't have professional management. They don't know how to do this business. It's been more of a hobby than a profession. He said, let's raise a hundred million. And instead of buying one and just syndicating, let's do them all. He said, all we got to do is put the brand in on it. The money's going to fall out of the sky. Everybody's going to be singing and the angels are going to come down. Well, that obviously didn't happen, right? The money doesn't fall down from the sky. It takes work. but that's that was the that was the the driving factor for where we are today is solving problems. That's what we do as real estate investors. And the problem is the mom and papa uh, operators uh, specifically in the markets that we target. Today's
0: episode is sponsored by von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. and I look forward to seeing you on the inside it's so important to kind of outline and underline what you're saying there. You had a very successful business flipping houses. You went to the next level, you started lending. You're running a multi-hundred million dollar lending portfolio, selling those loans off the same way any of these biggest banks operate. That business is running and somebody moves the cheese, right? And so what do you do? You figure out what am I going to do to continue building this business? And you look at, well, I've got a certain set of skills and I know other people have a certain set of skills. And that's eventually led you into this position to be able to create what you've created. So talk to me about the impact of working with partners and how you look at partners as a key piece of your business.
1: First of all, I can't leave the skiff and scurry reference who moved my cheese. I can't, I can't leave that <laughs> out of the conversation. And then beautifully tied in with a little Liam Neeson, I have a very particular set of skills. <laughs> I love it, dude. I'm getting the gob bumps, man. That's so good. Um, you are my brother from another. Look, I, one of the things that I learned very early on, remember I said at the beginning of this call, if you're the smartest person in any one room, you're in the wrong room. And if I'm the smartest person in any one relationship, I cannot be chief cook and bottle washer. I can't do it all. So having alliances, partnerships, relationships that are proven, professional, tested, um, is critical to success. And my success is a direct correlation of my investor's success. If I don't win, they don't win, right? I invest alongside my investors. So if my money's not working at a high rate of return, their money's not working. And trust me, I take very good care of my capital and by association, take care of the investor's capital. So finding Walter, um, it was a critical piece. I had an investor call today um, with a gentleman out of New York family office. And it was interesting. He was more interested in the fact that I was a firefighter and a paramedic and that my business partner was a Purple Heart recipient um, uh, retired from the military after serving this nation, he was more interested in that dynamic than he was necessarily about the sticks and bricks investment. Why? Why? Because you invest with the operators. Sticks and bricks will always be sticks and bricks. Are you excited about getting on a call with the GP? Are you excited about the GP story? Are you excited and enticed by the way that they do their business and who they do their business with? So Walter, you know, he was a friend and a mentor to me. You know, he started his investing career in 1986. That's the year I emigrated to this country, right? I'm, I'm, I'm messing around trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. He's already doing um, student housing in Columbus, Ohio, um, So you know he's the guy, and when I look to my left and my right, do I really and sincerely want to go to war with these people? Because if you think about it, you know the GP as the general, we're the general, with the with the leaders of the army, and then our LPs, our investors, well they're the troops, man. They're the they're the energy that goes behind it with the capital. So you know finding Walter and reconnecting with him was that critical piece, not only for Walter himself. But then it's the degrees of separation with 25 years in one market performing exceptionally consistently. Well, you only do that if you've got all the verticals in place. Do you have the property managers? Do you have the management team? Do you have the acquisitions team? Do you have the, the customer service team? Do you have the insurance? The, you know it goes on and on and on, Stephen. It's not just, oh, buy a house, fix it up, sell it kumbaya, those days are long gone. Now exactly. you're playing. Yeah. Guy said to me one time, come in the commercial world. He said, take off your short pants. It's time to put on your big boy pants. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because so, it's
0: such, it's a long-term commitment and, and that's yeah. where it comes back to something you were talking about. And for all the investors and all the listeners who've been listening for a long time, remember that you can grab the 52 page guide, the passive investor playbook, where we dive into, exactly what you need to know in order to be a phenomenal passive investor. You can grab that at the investormindset.com/passive. We'll include that in the show notes for you guys as well. But as a reminder, something we talk about in the playbook is how important it is to invest first with the operator. In other words, who's in charge of running this project? Who's the team? And so whenever people are going to invest with Von Finch, with myself, whenever people are going to invest with you, David, Freedom Ventures, it really comes down to who are you first and then the deal comes second because you're the person who's in control of making those decisions day to day and once they make that investment it all comes down to understanding the beliefs and values that are going to go into how you're going to decide so it's such a good reminder that you can look at a great
1: deal but it first starts with a great operator that's so good look this i've I've never want to be that guy that tears somebody else down to build myself up Right. I, I want to preface it with that. But you just said something which I think is critical to success. Are your values and your goals in alignment with the operators? We can go online right now, we can find operators flying around in private jets, driving Rolls-Royces, you know, rolling dice at Vegas and selling a lifestyle. That's not who I am. That's not the investor that I want. I don't want the 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 quick go get them investor in my pool. It's not who we are, right? I'm a family man. I got a 27-year-old, an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old. I'm on my third marriage. I've made a huge amount of mistakes, but I've also created a fantastic amount of success for myself and other people. Do you identify and resonate with us as a team? I ask that question of every investor that comes in. The other question I put to your listeners is this. Can you access the management team where your capital is going, going to work? Probably not if you're only putting in 50 bucks for a crowdfunding platform. But if you are a mature investor who's putting in at the accredited level, 100, 150, 200, 500, a lot of that conversation's around the million dollar mark. Well, that's a responsibility. That's a relationship. That's, that's conversations. That's communication, right? So that is, that's, that's such a critical piece. And finally, on that, I don't know what you've seen, Stephen, but the amount of syndicators that all of a sudden have popped up in the marketplace as a knee jerk reaction to, um, to uh, COVID is egregious. I mean, wholesalers out there throwing LOIs around with no capital to back them up, upsetting the apple cart when it comes to the the intelligence of a transfer of goods and services in the commercial real estate world, it's ridiculous. So any amateur that's out there, stop it. If I find out where you live, I'm gonna wait in the bushes outside your house so you don't ruin this beautiful business uh, that I've committed my, my life to. So they I did my soapbox. <laughs> but it's so absolutely
0: true. There's people who are going out there and they don't have experts beside them. They don't have mentors. They don't have coaches. They're not learning the lessons. They're not working from a specific formula that's going to end up leading them to be able to have success and be able to succeed for their investors. And it ends up giving a bad name to the industry as a whole. I mean, my entire career has been built off the backs and in partnership with expert operators, you know, from when I was flipping houses all the way through towards the multifamily business and everything in between. And that's because partnerships and working with experts is so critical to success. And so many people just they say, "Hey, well, I'm going to jump into the business and I'm going to try to figure it out." Well, you can do that when you're flipping a single-family home and you're putting money on your credit card like I did to get started just like you did to get started. Yeah. But when you're risking other people's money and you're working in a much bigger situation, that's the reason why there's teams. That's the reason why there's multiple general partners is because there has to be layers so that we can best succeed and sit within our unique ability and the thing that we're absolutely the best at. So I think that's such a great reminder.
1: We have a minimum. I'm just going through the numbers. We have a minimum of eight sets of professional eyeballs look on a deal before we execute. Uh, I mean, Monday morning acquisition committee meetings are fun. We just beat the beat the snot out of each other. What are you crazy? That's the worst deal I've ever seen. Now tell me why it isn't. Right. Uh, So it's, it's, it's just a critical piece of the business. Um, You know, single family, one guy makes a decision, you, you the owner, you know, in this, in this, in this arena, um, if it doesn't get through committee review, um, then it doesn't get done. So it, it has to be an outstanding acquisition for it to get through committee review. And then who's on your board of advisors? Always ask that question. What's the depth look like? What's the legal representation look like? We just bought on Dickinson Wright as our, uh, as our legal team. You know, 724 attorneys nationwide, right? I got heavy hitters now. Um, you know, you, you, you build up a presence. Um, you know, your, your accounting team, are your K-1s on tight? Are they right? Are they coming out consistent? All of the pieces that move. I I mean, if I tried to, you know, just figure it out as I went along, I mean, you'd crumble under the weight and then you'd end up being in jail anyway, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't deliver on your targeted returns. It's so, so, so very important. So on that note, I'm curious, talk to me, Dave, about what
0: impact have mentors made on your life and how do you recommend, or how do you go about finding
1: great mentors? Yeah. What a great question, man. I mean, Look, I, I needed mentors for my mental uh, realignment. Uh, I needed mentors in single family. I needed mentors in, in multifamily. I mean, one of the first guys I learned um, uh, commercial real estate from was a gentleman who owned 7,000 doors. He was a landscaper in, in Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, I became very, very engrossed and, 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 and engaged with, with him and his company. So I learned a lot from that guy. I remember I was in his office one day, and there was a whole bunch of numbers on a whiteboard uh, that he looked at right across his desk. And I said, "What's that?" He said, "That's uh, that's private equity that I'm responsible for." He said, "I look at that number every day, so I don't I don't make any mistakes." And I'm like, "Okay, I get it." And to this day, I have a whiteboard across. the The heading on my whiteboard says, "Replace my fear with faith and then act." And then there's a dollar amount underneath that I'm responsible for, like those minute what seemed like minute insignificant details are the foundational details that create success going forward i never would have been in that environment if i hadn't leaned into it myself and he said to me david commercial real estate is just zeros he said it's more zeros in more zeros out he said but your number one responsibility is to be a steward of capital and to never lose the money he said so don't ever step into a into a uh, you know into a deal environment so that guy was critical for me and then also for me, our, our mentorship was, was, was Jack Canfield. Jack Canfield was the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I remember sitting in the firehouse early in my career and saying, one day I send out an intention, right? I said, one day I'm going to hang out with Jack Canfield. And to make a long story short, um, I was speaking in Canada at, a, at a, an investor symposium, 16,000 people, Tony Robbins was speaking, I'm speaking. I come off stage and this woman comes up. She says, I loved your speech. She says, "Uh, I'm Jack Canfield's personal assistant. My name's blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh my Lord, the heaven comes down again. I said, I want to hang out with Jack Canfield for a day. She said, he doesn't do that anymore. Only for exceptional people. I said, well, I'm exceptional. Get it done. I invested 20 grand and hung out with Jack for a day. So, you know, those moments of of deliverables from from other people's expertise um, are critical. But to find a good mentor... It has to be reciprocal, right? Mentors don't just mentor. If they say, oh, I do it for philanthropic reasons, I, I don't buy that, right? Uh, reciprocity is what drives economies, what drives relationships. You know, you and I are in a reciprocal relationship right now. You are a mentor to me. I'm interested in what you're building on the educational platform, right? Hopefully, I can bring you some inspiration, some, you know, some, some extra years of experience to the table. What's the reciprocity in there? So you can only learn from somebody who's done what you want to learn. Don't learn from somebody who read it in a book, right? And do they have the time commitment to give you?
0: It's so important. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, even with, you know, the program that we have, the multifamily MBA, and what's so amazing about that is that we're bringing together these multifamily operators, people who are coming up in the business, people who are learning in depth, how to build that foundation, not only acquire the deal, but the most important part, how to actually operate it and work in a team-based environment from people who are new to people who have a lot of experience. But the incredibly important thing there is that I recognize that I have some skill sets, but I have mentors. Uh, My mentor, Reed Goosens, is a part of the program. He's the one who's actually diving in and teaching because at the core, there's always somebody who's got the experience that you need in order to go and experience what you want to experience. So it's it's so mm-hmm. important, it's so mm-hmm. critical. It's been a pleasure talking with you. There's a lot that I've taken away from this conversation. and I know the listeners have as well. So for all the listeners, I encourage you, there's been at least one nugget that'll make an impact on your life and answer that question to yourself right now and commit, to taking action and doing something with that. And so on that note, I'd love to uh, let the listeners know, how can they get in touch with you? How can they find out more about what you're doing uh, and everything that goes along with that?
1: Yeah, I'm old school, man. I'm a blue collar guy, a white collar world. You can actually pick up the phone and call us. 781-922-4418. Just let my team know that uh, you you heard us on the podcast here with Steven. Um, Info at freedomventure.com. Google my name, Dave Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. I've got a footprint. I'm very proud to say it's still clean and good, right? Uh, So, yeah, just ask questions, man. Ask questions, though, that seek shall find. So if you're a seeker, we got a resolution to a problem. And if I don't, I know somebody who can solve the problem. That's it. That's absolutely beautiful. It's been such a pleasure
0: getting to know, diving in deeper with you here and really being able to share some of those lessons with the audience. So with that, I'll leave you guys. Have a beautiful rest of your day and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe and share it with a friend. Head over to investormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.